Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Kentucky, we got AG Aaron Gershon, the Cats Pose, doing his thing. My name is Vinny Hardy. We tag teaming and bring y'all episodes. Gonna bring y'all some guests coming up as well in, in some upcoming episodes. We got that to look forward to. As always, go to believe.com, B L E A V.com. You can find each and every episode there. The number one content creating network for professionals. Um, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast, find episodes there as well. And the good people at Acia Blue, Jason Markham, and all the fellows will put a little article up, a little write up about what we talk about, and then the links to where you can get it on Spotify and Believe.com. So we appreciate everybody that does that. And appreciate y'all for taking the time to listen, whether you're in Kentucky throughout the United States, and even got some people listening internationally, AG, so we appreciate everybody that, that takes the time to check us out. Absolutely. Maybe in the Bahamas right now, which uh, would be pretty nice to be at right <laughs> now. Or we both uh, obviously watched the first pre uh, not preseason, but first exhibition game down there, which uh, was a lot of fun to watch, so we got plenty to talk about with that. And then obviously, uh, you know, football, fall, fall practice pads are on, everything's a full go, and on uh, let's see, a few days ago, Saturday, uh, was fan day. So it was a full open practice, saw every single bit, uh, of their two, three hours on the field and was able to really learn a lot about what they're thinking with the depth chart and, uh, just how guys are faring, um, individually and, and as a team. So that was, a that was a really important practice to see in person for sure. Yeah, for sure. So we got all, all kinds of stuff happening for, what is it? I guess it's a dog day of summer. Or, or, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, the uh, you hear a lot of people maybe online saying that as far as the Bahamas, people, fans, maybe those who are having trouble shaking that St. Peter's loss. <laughs> now you can kind of get out of your system. You have another game to watch, and you got to do it two months earlier than normal. Right. Wait till Big Blue Madness. You actually got to watch them in August to maybe hit the reset or start looking forward to next season. Whatever so whoever, you know, everybody handled that differently. And now you don't have to look back and think about those peacocks anymore. <laughs> yeah. And this thing, that's for sure. Gosh. Uh, and not, you know, not think about all the crap that really the aftermath of that over the last two years, uh, really. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think th- these are probably even a little more important than Big Blue Madness and the Blue and White game, just because uh, you're facing off against other teams. Now, 
you know, credit to the Dominican Republic select team, but it's not the, not the fiercest competition on the world, uh, but it's just other bodies. It's another offensive scheme, another defensive scheme uh, that you're going up against. So it's really, uh, I think these are really important games. We obviously saw how beneficial it was uh, in 2018. That was the last team that got past the second weekend, uh, first weekend rather of the NCAA tournament and came, you know, an overtime period away of the final four. So uh, usually when they do this trip, things go pretty well. It lets the team gel a little bit early uh, and get some game action and especially huge for the freshman and maybe some of the uh, some of the guys like Damian Collins who we saw shine tonight that didn't play that much last year. Yeah, we saw Collins repeatedly attacking the rim. You take what the defense gives you, and they were oh a runway to the cup, and he was he was taking advantage of it. How about this? His plus minus was plus forty, <laughs> and I mean, it, obviously it was it was a bloodbath. Kentucky won the game uh, one hundred eight to fifty six. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Kaysen Wallace also had a plus minus of 40. Uh, the next closest would have been 26 for Chris Livingston. So uh, Damian Collins was absolutely the, the guy to be talking about tonight. Like you said, uh, the two dunks were unbelievable, but picking up off the dribble and shooting and hitting jumpers at 6'9", whatever he is, uh, the blocks he had, he had five assists. I mean, this is a guy who was doing a little bit of everything, and we really did not, outside of like a little spurt in Tuscaloosa last year, where actually six of his 10 points came at the free throw line, but he just did a really good job getting to the line. Uh, and he only played like nine or 10 minutes in that game. So we really didn't see much uh, of a guy who was a five star prospect. And it's exciting when he's or had, already has that potential, and now he has a year of some experience under his belt, but definitely a year of working with this training staff. Now a new training staff uh, led by Brady Welsh. And also the, obviously the same offense and defense and the same coaching uh, from Cal Perry and everybody. So uh, it was a, obviously you don't want to read too much into these games, but uh, I think we could pretty confidently say Damian Collins looks like a different dude uh, than when we last saw him, which I don't even know if he played in the SEC tournament. So whenever the last game, uh, he logged minutes was uh, he's a way different guy and he he could be one of the top guys on this team if he plays like that. Yeah, the confidence and they uh they interviewed him after the broadcast with, with Tom Hart and and Dane Bradshaw and he's talking about working on versatility and I mean the action showed it was it, like, oh yeah he had the big dunk last year you know yes we know he's capable of that and we saw the two today but the other stuff in it the dribble the dribble drive oh my goodness like you don't get that much from dudes who are that big that's what chet holgram like that's why he went number two uh because he was able to use that dribble drive and nail threes and he's like seven eight <laughs> not not exactly but big dude you know what i mean so if damien collins has that in this game and um obviously the athleticism with the blocks and being smart with the ball i mean uh, five assists at that size. That's really, really impressive. So uh, great showing for him. I thought he was the guy to, to talk about after this one for sure. Yeah. I saw where Keith Farmer uh, from BBN Tonight tweeted it out. We had Keith on this podcast a few months ago. Uh, he, he was, you know, throwing out those poll type stuff. He said was, was I think he was tweeting about the first dunk. Was the first dunk better than Willie Colley-Stein's at Florida <laughs> And I was like, nope, no. Nope, you can't compare no, them. You no, can't. Not not an exhibition against the Dominican national team. 
at the O-Dome, Willie on the break, where he just embarrassed that dude. Now, that's not to say that Collins might not get one and wait till the regular season starts. Absolutely. He might catch somebody slipping and, and put one up there that's Willie level. But right now, still, still got to get out with yeah. the Willie. Cause, yeah. I mean, oh, no, not even close. Yeah, well, we got to see it against Florida, or, or I guess nowadays, uh, Auburn, Arkansas, some yeah, of those tough yeah. SEC teams, Tennessee. So, uh, But, no, awesome night for Damian Collins. I was also really impressed um, with the Duthiero. I know he wasn't the guy who lit up the score sheet, but mm-hmm. he's kind of like a – you don't know what the heck you're going to get from him. He's a guy who's still growing. The guy is – he's on a pitch count down in the Bahamas because he's having growing pains. So he's a guy still – yeah, he still could grow in height. He could still grow in obviously muscle, could always grow. So uh, he's kind of a wild card on this team. Just how much is he going to play? But, uh, man, he drilled his only three-point attempt. He had a couple dunks. He had a steal. Uh, he looked really good out there. Uh, obviously, Case and Wallace looked pretty good. The shooting numbers uh, weren't great, but he was out there making plays with the ball all the time. He got a little bit of an extra run uh, with Severe Wheeler getting a little nicked up there. So um, that was good to see. And I thought Chris Livingston shot the ball really well, and that was a huge plus. Uh, I didn't really expect much from him as a shooter at all. So yeah. he went three for four from deep. So that's pretty good. And then um, I think the really the last guy that stood out for me um, – probably would be um, Jacob Toppin just from a standpoint of uh, he, he just seems to have more bounce a little bit every year where he just seems to have more athleticism. Uh, he's blocking shots at a higher rate. Uh, he's, I mean, he just looks longer and he looks faster and he's a guy who obviously has NBA potential and has that in his blood with his brother being what he was. That's right. And I'm going to, I'm going to say it. I'm, I'm, I got to give a little love to my guy Reeves. I was talking about him. Yeah, he was good. He can maybe be the guy that takes That's the other guy I was thinking about. Injury. He, you know, he knocked down three threes and, and he's athletic. Three four. Yeah, I'm like, he can he can be that guy. And I'm I'm still just going to kind of toot his horn. And, and mm-hmm. you know, because everybody's need another shooter, need another shooter. We might have that other shooter. Uh, I mean, we got some gravy threes from guys we didn't think would hit him tonight, too. Yeah, and obviously CJ's on the biggest pitch count of anybody as he's still working back from his uh, his really nasty injury. And he only played 12 minutes and he didn't he only shot put up one shot and he missed. So uh, we got to kind of see obviously the competition's gonna be a lot harder, but we kind of got to see a little bit. Okay, CJ Frederick's not hitting threes. Who's going to step up and hit him? And like you said, Antonio, he was the main guy who hit him uh, going three for four. Chris Livingston, also three for four. Uh, and then Aduthiero knocked one down. So, I mean, if they could really get production from Antonio as the back, as kind of the second three point shooter. And obviously, if they, you know, Kaysen's going to hit his uh, eventually, you know that. Uh, Severe Wheeler is going to run into one a couple times. And, you know, <laughs> the way they're talking about Damian Collins, we didn't see it tonight, but he's a guy who's been hitting him in practice. So <laughs> they might be just fine. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, if Antonio Reeves can shoot like that every night, uh, they're going to be just fine. If Even if C.J. Frederick has a year where he's kind of re- rehabbing from that injury, he's not fully himself. Yeah. And Oscar Sheway was was grinding off the court the minute they landed. He couldn't do NIL here, so as soon as he hit soil that wasn't U.S. soil, 
promos, Cashing videos, in. whatever he can do to take advantage. So I'm, and I'm here for it. I'm happy he's able, oh, yeah. to be able to do that too. So that's what well, that's what this NIL stuff's about, right? I mean, the kids that really, especially the kids that uh, deserve it. Uh, on and off the court. I mean, Oscar's as good of a guy as it gets off the court. You hear every time he talks, every fan interaction he has is, gets more impressive. And then, you know, on the court, no one really works harder with his rebounding ability. And uh, you can see how much he, he cares. You saw him break down after the St. Peter's game. This means everything to him. So uh, that's the greatness of this NIL stuff. And uh, he's going to be making bank these next couple of days. And uh, if Kyle Tucker's accurate uh, article, if, if those numbers add up, He's going to have made $2.75 million on NIL so far. Uh, and, you know, his main goal with that money is to get his mom uh, from the Congo here. Mm-hmm. So if he can accomplish that, man, that would be – that would just be fantastic. And that's what this whole thing is about. Yeah, for sure. So tomorrow, Monterey Tick at 7 o'clock. <laughs> and we get to do it all again and yeah, somewhat read too much into what we're seeing. But it's, you know, it's what we do. It's we fun. Play basketball. <laughs> That's right. That's fun. And you got four games here. And yeah. this was apparently the toughest team they were going to see. So uh, you can imagine that the, <laughs> it could get even worse uh, from here in the score column. But you know what? Uh, you just kind of want to see what the strengths are of individuals. I think this is like you saw Cal took a back seat and he was letting Orlando Antigua coach tonight, which was cool given his Dominican roots. But I think they're going to rotate. I think KT Turner is going to coach a game. I think um, I don't think Bruiser Flint, I think Bruiser's kind of advising over with Cal, but uh, uh, I think Chin Coleman's going to get a, sh- a shot at a game. And so I, I really just think um, this also gives a chance for these assistants to continue building chemistry with these players, especially uh, for Coach Turner, who's new here, and uh, lets them kind of go at it a little bit and lets Cal take a back seat and really evaluate each guy. Uh, and I, you know, Cal, he, he's big on meeting with guys one-on-one and breaking things down. So I wouldn't be surprised if after, you know, this trip and, you know, they get there a little bit of a break, uh, as they start classes here in a bit, um, if he has every guy in one-on-one, okay, this is what you did well down there. This is what we need from you. Uh, and kind of take that to heart and get in the gym and work on it. So I really like how that was organized, having the assistants kind of take over and let Cal and Bruiser Flint, who's kind of his right-hand man, just just evaluate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's for sure. For sure. So get to round out the rest of the week with some Kentucky basketball. And um, you rounded out last weekend with at Fan Day, uh, taking in all those festivities. The thing, too, but you were there and got all the details and, and saw mm-hmm. everything, got the quotes. I like the fact that they that Guy Morris was there. And, yes. You know, with the, the health issues he's had, and he was there coaching Kentucky in the early 2000s. And uh, probably, sadly, the first memory you have is the, <laughs> the loss to LSU where they had him beat. Oh, my God, and the but, Gatorade bath. Yes, he saw him <laughs> on the sideline there. And uh, my dad was at that game. He passed away last year, but he – he said, I had my foot on the rail to step over and storm the field. Oh, no. And he said, I just pulled my foot back off the rail uh, and walked to the car. I've never. <laughs> oh, my God. Poor guy. Some of the many sad scenarios we witnessed, you know, you know back in oh my Kentucky football seasons gone by. Yeah. But... <laughs> my, yeah, I guess the one I can compare most before I started covering my freshman year at UK was 2017 that UK obviously you still have the Kentucky Florida streak going on uh and Kentucky 
uh, blew a lead 27, 14. Mm. I believe they're at that point down by one point they're driving down the field and Nick Haynes gets called for a holding that wasn't a holding. And I'm a big, uh, I really, we have a family friend who's a major league baseball umpire. So I give a lot of credit to officials. It's a really, really hard job. Um, they get it right more than they get it wrong, but when they get it wrong, it's obviously going to be for the world to see and they're going to get crucified. That was a, that was just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, that, that Paul, you could see it from the stands where I was in the, in the end zone that, uh, that would have been where they scored in. You could see it on TV when you go back and watch it. You can see it when you break down the tape and see it up close. It was an obvious call that was botched. Uh, obviously, that would have been an easy field goal for Austin McGinnis if that Benny Snell run held. Instead, he had to kick it from like 58. He misses, and they blow another game in heartbreaking fashion to Florida. So, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of those embarrassing losses um, over the years, but – you know, as the program's gotten better and better, the games that they probably would have lost, you know, up to six years ago are turning into wins. I don't think they finished that Florida game last year. I bet you instead of knocking the ball down in the end zone at the end of that game, uh, you know, that ball's caught and Florida gets the touchdown. They That game against Missouri, when Missouri had all the momentum late and Kentucky was able to finish them off. I don't know if they even win that game. And South Carolina was a 16-10 game. Mm -hmm. I don't even – there's so many different games that might have gone the other way if we're talking, you know, a couple of years back. But uh, this program isn't a place for, where that, that stuff's just not going to happen. Yeah, the whole mindset, the whole mentality change. You go – you go back to the Florida. I don't. You might not even been born yet. The I think 93, 94, Chris Chris Doring breaks their heart. Uh-huh. Seven interceptions. The defense seven, seven picks. And How do you lose? lose. And that's like impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it's impo- I mean, they just found the craziest ways to lose these games, yeah. especially like you said, to Florida uh, and Tennessee. It's exactly. just they they. They could have gotten a degree in losing to Florida and Tennessee and losing games in heartbreaking fashion. But luckily, like I said, I mean, there you really haven't had you've had tough losses like that Tennessee game. You felt like you should have won. You had 42 points on the board last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, I mean, the games they've lost, it's been they were, are, were just weren't the better team, which is like every game against Georgia. They're still, you know, still fighting that battle or they just get outclassed like Mississippi State last year. They just didn't show up for that game. Oh, so dude, just a- that was a total dud, especially, you know, uh, after the letdown the week before, they weren't able to get the momentum back. So uh, I just think the but the, the just finding ways to lose, I, I think we're finally past that. And um that's important. If, you, if you're going to lose, you either want to go down swinging and play your best or you, you don't want it to happen. But I, I think it's more as a fan, at least you'd rather just get your butt whooped. So you don't have to deal with the, the what could have, should have, would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And to the, to the point now, uh, talking earlier, if when they get these wins, because we've seen as Stoops always says it, I've, don't cover as many games as you haven't been in as many presses as you, but I've sat in that press conference and heard him talk about knocking down doors, knocking down doors. We've seen wins against Florida when we didn't see them. Right. Seen wins against Tennessee when we never saw them. So now if they, if they go down to the swamp and, and win in week two, we won't surprise us. Even if Florida's no. favorite, if they go down to kneeling and win this year, it won't surprise us. Last time they were down there, they you know walked out with a thirty-four-seven win. 
Tennessee can say it was a COVID year if they want to. Everybody had COVID. Yep. So, you know, so now the only one they haven't done that with is Georgia. Georgia. Still trying to, you know, get that target. But as far as everybody else, you know, if they go to Ole Miss and win, we, 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 it won't shock us because uh-huh. we, we've seen them notch. You know, remember the streak? It was it was years before they had even won an ACC game on the road. Now yeah. that's that's back in the rear view so Way far. In the, yeah, that was a you expect to win. Yeah, it won't yeah. shock you anymore uh, like it used to. I'll say this. I mean, we'll see how Florida plays against a really good Utah team week one. And yeah. Utah is a team who might make the college football playoff. They're that good. If they, I'm going to say pending the results, unless they come out and shock Utah or play really well, I'd be surprised if Kentucky doesn't beat Florida week two. I really would. Mm-hmm. I just think – and I think it's more credit to Kentucky uh, because I, I, they just have all the pieces. I think they're even better than the team that beat them last year. Yeah. Uh, even with the losses, that wide receiver and Wondell Robinson, Josh Ali, I think the room is deep. Uh, I think the offensive line is going to be fine. And I think – the I mean, the only questions I really have are in the secondary, uh, but Florida's wide receiver – uh, core is already not very good that was one of the issues if you remember last year they really struggled and their top receiver last year Jacob Copeland transferred to Maryland so they're just in they're depleted uh weapon wise uh, I think they have a really good quarter and quarterback in Anthony Richardson but it'll be the second game in a new system and this is all new systems it's all new coaching it's a coach who doesn't have his full bed of recruits yet it's not his team it's an inherited team so I just think getting them early, I think if that game's played in, in October, November, okay, that's more of a toss-up, probably lean Gators maybe. Uh, but that early in the season, man, unless they come out and stun Utah and they have all this momentum, I, I just can't see Kentucky losing that game. I really can't. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had another. Oh, and you mentioned the secondary too about oh, as far as it being a question. Joel Williams also – in the yes. transfer portal. So did did they see that coming? Is that th- a shock or what? So I, I would say just from what I've seen, the writing probably was on the wall given where he was on the depth chart. Uh, I was going back through my notes when they had an open practice back in uh, in March, just a couple weeks ahead of the spring game. And I don't remember seeing him out there uh, other than with the threes. And then during this fan, he might've already made the decision, but I didn't even. I, I I don't remember even seeing him at fan practice. He might have been, but I, I I really don't remember it. So that one, that loss doesn't bother me that much. I mean, obviously he's a kid who has a lot of talent, four star recruit, um, and they beat him. You know, they were able to keep him away from LSU, which is his hometown school. I think he's a Baton Rouge kid, um, and a lot of SEC offers. So you know, the skills are that weren't there, but I mean, the skills were there, but the. Um, the playing time wasn't so he had to make a business decision and that that's that but my bigger issue with the secondary um though i i'll say with this fan day practice the defense won the day and it wasn't even close everyone even said i mean will levis came out pissed off he threw three interceptions uh deuce hogan threw a bunch it, it was a defense day uh andrew phillips was incredible um he had a couple picks and he was all over the field that corner uh I just don't see it with Carrington Valentine yet. And that's why I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just don't see him being that cornerback one yet. I think that's a lot to ask Andrew Phillips to do as a guy. Who I don't think he's even started a game in his career yet. Mm-hmm. Um, Keedron Smith is kind of still 
in the learning the defense period slash Mark Stoops wants to see what he's all about. So he was with the twos the entire practice. Uh, it was Andrew Phillips and Carrington Valentine at the starting corner spots. Um, hopefully they can bring him along pretty quick. They should be able to. He's played a lot of football. So that would probably ease my worries a little bit. Um, at safety, Jalen Geiger and Tyrell Asian seem to be the guy starting. Um, Tyrell Asian, we kind of know what he is at this point. Uh, he's played a lot of football. He can go up and get the ball and make some good plays, but he gets beat quite a bit too. Um, and then Geiger looks pretty good, but he's adjusting to the to the free safety position. He's played uh, played strong his whole college career. So um, there's some questions there. Um, the, the, the younger defensive backs are really coming along. I thought um, Adrian Huey had a really good practice. We obviously saw what Jordan Lovett could do uh, during the spring game. So, you know, there were some good things from that. Um, like I said, Andrew Phillips was the best player. I thought uh, one of the top five players, probably the entire practice the other day. But yeah, until I see Carrington Valentine really, really improve and be a cornerback one, I'm going to have my concerns and I don't want to rip the kid. He just didn't have a great year last year. And now you don't have, you know, some of the dudes like even Quandre Mosley, who had great speed. He's not around anymore. We're obviously a year removed from Kelvin Joseph and Brandon Eccles. So he doesn't really have that security blanket where guys can step up and fill in for him uh, unless they can get Kedron Smith, you know, really ready to roll here quickly. So um, my concern is with that is just the lack of depth and the young, uh, inexperienced at cornerback. I, I think Asian and Geiger will probably be enough at safety, uh, but I do have my words at corner, though. Andrew Phillips, <laughs> if he could do what he did during that one practice, that they're good on one side. Wow. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how that plays out, you know, because um, it's like you said, bring them. They need them. Can he bring them along? Will it happen? Or do you see uh, – somebody bursting onto the scene from that group that we maybe you, you whoa i didn't see that coming could it be phillips consistently doing it or is yeah. there somebody else that maybe is going to break out that we were not anticipating i think it is andrew phillips i mean remember this is a legacy player so obviously he's already he's familiar with kentucky he's wanted to play here for a long time just like his dad did and, you know, last year he had the situation with the, you know, the investigation of that off campus issue uh, mm -hmm. that led to him missing the first five games and missing a ton of practice time. And he was a guy who kind of flashed during the spring last year who they were expecting to take a next step. Now he got the full spring under his belt. Now he's gotten the full fall practice season under his belt. He's going to start at a corner spot and he looked really good. I mean, he was matched up with Demarcus Harris. He completely on one on a one on one. It was their first day of one on ones. He totally jumped Demarcus Harris for a pick. I mean, just completely knew everywhere Demarcus Harris was going to be uh, jumped the route and grabbed a pick off Will Levis. So um, that was really good to see. Yeah, so. Very, as a breakout guy, um, mm -hmm. I, like I said, I really like the athleticism and speed that Adrian Huey had on a couple of pass, pass breakups. Uh, he, I think he's probably a free safety backup there. Um, so that was good to see. And Maxwell Harrison had a couple of nice plays, but he got beat pretty good on a few as well. Um, but yeah, Andrew Phillips is my guy in the secondary. I really like. What other battles are standing out? I mean, we know the, the number two spot for quarterbacks or any. Any other battles? Yeah. Some battles that are, you got your yeah. 
Yeah, so back uh, backup quarterback is I, I'm leaning Kaya Sharon on that. He took all the number two reps uh, on Saturday, and he just frankly had the better day. I think he was actually uh, I, he might have had one interception, but he he definitely had the least interceptions of the group um, outside of actually Destin Wade. I don't think they're a pick, so uh, you can throw that one in there. Uh, but but uh, Sharon looked pretty good. I, I thought he just had a better command of the offense. Um, and just had the better overall day. And like I said, he took all those two team reps. So it, it seems like it's going in that direction. Um, but we'll see. Obviously, a lot of a lot of balls still left. Um, at, at running back, obviously, we still don't know exactly what's going to happen with Chris Rodriguez, mm-hmm. uh, a guy I've been very high on since they signed him. Ramon Jefferson took the bulk of the first team reps while Rodriguez was not in. And he looked really good. And um, Will Levis actually compared him to Doug Martin, if you remember Doug Martin with the Buccaneers oh, yeah. uh, and Boise State. And that's a pretty darn good comp. That was a pretty tough. That was one of the top two running backs in the NFL for a few years. And uh, Jefferson's a small guy. You see it. He's 5'10", but he's got a mix of really good speed and and that, that pop that he could pop off defenders like Chris Rodriguez. Uh, he's not afraid to lower the shoulder and make things happen. So he was really impressive. He was kind of the guy uh, that blew me away a little bit. Um, and then at receiver, you know, there's a lot of fight for playing time. Uh, Dane Key was, I mean, that kid's going to be special. <laughs> he was real locked in, no drops, catching balls in the middle of the field and coverage. Uh, just, just an amazing day for him. Uh, Tavian Robinson too looks really solid. And then, uh, you know, the question is who's going to kind of be, I think Dane Key and Tavian Option and Tavian Robinson are going to be the two guys that Will Levis is going to target the most. Who's going to be that number three? Is it going to be Demarcus Harris? I, I think it's going to be Barry on Brown right away. I mean, this guy um, had a couple of big plays. He caught one uh, diving catch. I forgot who's in coverage, but just completely outran him, made a beautiful diving catch on a deep ball. Um, he, he's a good route runner. Uh, he's strong. He's fast. Um, he's a highly recruited guy, four-star prospect for a reason. Uh, and you know, there's been nothing but a ton of praise for him, uh, throughout the camp. So I I think Barry on Brown is kind of, uh, a guy they're going to play right away. I think this is going to be a year. Uh, I think we might've talked about this, but they're going to, they're not going to be holding red shirts this year. A lot of true freshmen, both who were here in the spring and not they're going to blow by four games. Like Dane key, Dane key is going to be a starter. Uh, Barry on Brown might be a starter. He's definitely going to play every day. Uh, the tight end, Josh Caddis monster, not, a, not much of the pass action game, but this guy is an elite blocker. He's got the, he screams after every big block he makes and the whole sideline goes nuts. Uh, that was kind of, he was the kind of the guy at, and Rich Scangrillo's exact quote was, I love that dude when asked about him. So he's going to play right away. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, Dion Walker, the defensive tackle, mm. is absolute. I thought he was Dare Rosenthal, and I had to do a double <laughs> take because they were the same number, and they're both and they're both six six. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second, that's that's not you. That's the, you're gone. That's Dion Walker, absolutely humongous, and he took every first team rep ahead mm. of Justin Rogers and Josiah Hayes at nose guard. So he's going to play a lot. So those were kind of the things I noticed battle wise. And then uh, lastly for freshman Jordan, Anthony, he's that track star. Uh, he, the speed is real. I, I still think they need him to, you know, he's got to become a better route runner and wide receiver, but the speed is there. 
Uh, same with Brandon White, another freshman um, out of Cincinnati, who his speed is off the charts as well. Uh, both of those guys were working with Tavian Robinson and Akel Crowdis, who's fully healthy. Um, they were really those two guys were third team receivers, but they were taking punt return reps. So that was something interesting too. So the, just to see them build depth like they never had before. Um, They've got depth at receiver. Yeah, yeah. I've said it multiple times. Like if you <laughs> if you took the '90s Kentucky offense with the '90s Vandy defense, you'd have a competent SEC team. And <laughs> <laughs> there, there were some good first stringers on both sides, but uh-huh. depth is what always got them killed. And now we've seen them build depth like never before. You know, to where there's the drop off isn't as drastic as it used to be, and now we <laughs> see them compete. I mean, remember early, even, you know, the Joker Phillips years, early Stoops years, the whole thing was, man, we don't look like an SEC team out here. Yes. We don't look like an SEC team. You look at their defensive line alone, and I was just, you know, Khalil Sanders was one of the guys, Saunders, excuse me, was a uh, defensive tackle, was one of the guys who talked today, uh, six foot five sophomore defensive tackle. And, you know, they really like his length. That's why uh, they're so high on him. He's probably going to be a reserve, uh, but he's got length. But you just look at that defensive line alone, man. Zion Walker, who we just talked about, is 6'6", 328 or something like that. Khalil Saunders is 6'5". Trayvon Ripka, who's probably going to slide into that defensive end spot um, or defensive tackle spot. He's uh, 6'4". You obviously got Octavius Oxidon, who's 6'2", and he's really slimmed down. Uh, so he could even play some Jack some Jack linebacker, kind of that Josh Pascal role. He's going to be Josh Pascal's main replacement, I think. And obviously Justin Rogers and Josiah Hayes, those are two humongous bodies uh, in the middle. I mean, the defensive line is huge. And then you look at the offensive line, and uh, Tayshawn Manning is a, a refrigerator. That's what everyone calls him. That's what J.J. Weaver's nickname for him is. Uh, Jeremy Flax is like 6'6". DeAndre Buford's a big dude. Kenneth Horsey, we all know what he's capable of. Eli Cox, I mean, they got dudes all across the lines. And, you know, the receiver position, now you're adding – you have both height, like Dane Key is 6'3". And you got the Jordan Anthony, Brandon White, Barry and Brown speed. Mm -hmm. And, oh, oh yeah, your your quarterback's pretty – he's a dude too. (laughs) Have you seen how Jack Will Levis has become? Oh yeah. my the dude that he's a jack for a quarterback. Yeah, as long as you don't stand beside Tim Couch. You know? like, yeah, other than Tim Couch. <laughs> yeah, that's a good who's, point. Who is the same age as me and is way bigger than he ever was in his Oh my god. Day. Yeah, he's that that's crazy. But, but for an active was. active quarterback college wise, I mean yes. you look at Bryce Young and he's probably the best quarterback in the SEC, but you don't see him you yeah. don't see him looking like Will Levis, his arms right now. My god. Oh. No, he's thin. So if you had to project what kind of season you're getting out of Justin Rogers, because he, I mean, he came, he came in kind of talking that talk. I'm going to dominate, mm-hmm. and and haven't seen it yet. What do you, no. what do you think he he might have in store for this? Season? Yeah, he's a really interesting guy. I mean, he's the hot. Uh, unless Keontae Goodwin might have surpassed him, but before Good, I think Goodwin is now. But he's the highest recruit on this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's either Goodwin or or Rogers. I don't. You'd have to look at the overall, you know, numbers there. But those are the two highest recruited guys on the team. 
Uh, Rogers, like I said, was taking second team reps. But the thing is with the defensive line is they rotate guys in and out. I mean, those are big boys. They're not going to be able to play every single snap. They're going to need to roll. That's why you got to have depth at the position. You got to have guys like Khalil Saunders and um, Jamarcus or Jamarius Dinkins who can rotate in and alleviate some pressure there. So Rogers will get plenty of snap. I don't know if he's going to be the starting nose guard or not. I think Deion Walker probably has that job right now. Um, but he's going to play. Uh, I think they still are really counting on him to be big in the run. I mean, this is, you know, what he talked about when he talked this um, spring is, it, it, you know, this is time for the 2020 class where they, 2020, they invested a lot of their scholars on defensive linemen. Obviously they signed Rogers. Uh, they've pulled Josiah Hayes out of Mississippi. They signed Trayvon Ripka, who we're going to see a lot of this fall. Uh, Octavius Oxendine, obviously, probably the best of the group right now. So those guys are now taking over for Josh Paschal. They're taking over for Phil Hoskins, Marquan McCall, Quentin Bohanna. I mean, it's a passing of the torch. So is 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 Deion Walker going to start over Justin Rogers? Probably. Uh, but their snap counts are probably going to be just about the same because they're going to rotate in and out. Uh, I think with Rodgers, uh, obviously, you know, it's really hard to evaluate nodes tackles. Like Quentin Bohanna, you look at his stats, he had like 18 tackles. Okay. But it's the push he's making, right? It's how he's pushing back offensive linemen and how it's throwing off the, the offense's ability to create holes and run the ball. So I think Rodgers, he might not light up the stat sheet this year, but he's going to get his tackles. He had two sacks last year. I think he can get that number up to three or four. Um, I, I think I think there's still a clear role for him, but you know, I even asked him, which is not a fun question to ask, but in a guy like his shoes, where he was in some places a five-star prospect or a high four, and he didn't play much his first two years, like a lot of those guys just say, "Skirt, I'm transferring." And I asked him why he did it, and he pretty much like said, "Why would I ever do that?" So I don't think you have to worry about losing him or anything like that. But it is very interesting that Deion Walker has kind of stole the show at that position because yeah. there's a lot of depth there. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, it, it, the stats might not jump out, but are, are you tying up blockers and, you know, freeing up other guys to make plays? And that's kind of what the scheme wants you to do is, you know, if you're, yeah. you're getting double teamed, that's, you know, that's, if, that should be a stat for that. How many times I mean, multiple blockers? Glenn Bohanna was double teamed all the time. Yeah. That's why he didn't let it. That's why the Cowboys drafted him. They saw it. And that's all that matters. I mean, they know they know better than the fans, but yeah, no tackle unless you're unless you're an NFL scout man or college coach. That's a hard position to like credit. It's a hard position to critique because, like you said, that just the tackle numbers are not there. But the as long as you get the push, man, it, uh, that's all that matters. Let the let the guys on the edge come clean it up. You, you should get as much credit as they should. Right. Yeah. So will will linebacker be the heart and soul of the defense? Oh yeah, I mean you got two guys who played an an enormous amount of college football. I mean Jaquez Jones and DeAndre Square, uh, both and they're both great. I mean that's I think that's almost become underrated. We talk about the experience and uh, how many starts and how they're both been captains and all that, team leaders and tackles. These guys are really good. <laughs> I mean uh, DeAndre Square had an outstanding year last year after he kind of had a down year in 2020. And Jaquez Jones obviously was uh, Ole Miss's leading tackler in 2020. And without him, I don't know if they're a 10-win team last year, especially the game he had against Missouri Mm -hmm. with the 18 tackles, a pick. I mean, defensive player of the week. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's he's as good a linebacker as there is on the inside. And then 
you know, you look at the two guys behind them on the depth chart. Uh, you got De'Eric Jackson, who has played 13 games and has two picks. <laughs> and then you have uh, Trevin Wallace, who's an all-SEC freshman last year. So uh, the depth at middle linebacker is outstanding. You go to the outside linebacker. You got J.J. Weaver, who's as good. I mean, the dude was playing on a – he was playing at probably 80% last year and at, you know led the team in sacks with six and had a bunch of quarterback hits, forced a fumble or two. And now he's fully healthy, so you can imagine he'll be even better. Uh, and Jordan Wright, I think, is a guy who's overlooked on this team just because, I mean, he's a guy who has, I think, 20 tackles for a loss in his career, maybe 18 and a half. He's got the seven and a half sacks in his career. Uh, injuries kind of screwed with him last year. He didn't really get to have the year he's had, but he's been a guy, if you remember 2019, you know, outside of like uh, Calvin Taylor and Boogie Watson, it, it was Jordan Wright getting to the quarterback. So, mm-hmm. and he's played a lot of football too. So, so they're in really good shape and they really like, uh, what they've seen from some of the young guys, Tyrese Fairberry, one of the young guys, and then uh, Keaton Wade got some clock with the twos mostly on Saturday. So, yeah, the linebacker group, the front seven as a whole, uh, you know, it's a, it's as good as anyone in the SEC. Uh, it's really going to depend on the back end, you know, doing their job. Mm-hmm. Yep, we inch ever closer. Um, appreciate all the insight, man. You got everything covered, you know. Football, basketball, countdown, top 100. Yeah. Get that going too, man. You um, let's get there, man. It's uh, I'm ready to get this season going for sure. It's uh, it's always exciting. August is always a lot of fun, and it's especially more fun with this Bahamas trip. It's uh, as busy of a early August as you're going to get around here. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we talk about time and counting down the days. You know, keep track of the time better with a wristwatch from La Terrain. Free shipping on La Terrain. Timeless wristwatches with pride, built and designed for watch enthusiasts. They're made to last with a careful selection of materials and components. Focus on detail from design up to your wrist. Provides customers with a great watch at any price. Go to LaTerrain.com, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com. Go to the different styles, accessories, bands for men and women, and you can accent any outfit with La Terrain. Make sure you tell them you heard about them by listening to the Believe in Kentucky podcast. If you got a question, just enter it in on the chat. Dave himself, the owner, will make sure you get the information you need to make an informed purchase. So go to LaTerrain.com. Definitely friends of the podcast. Um, we're definitely happy to have them sponsoring each and every episode of Believe in Kentucky, man. Any other little nuggets or tidbits you got for the people, AJ? Yeah, uh, not all that much. I think we hit everything. I would just say football-wise, you know, I said that, you know, the defense absolutely dominated that fan day practice. I mean, the offense really uh, could not get it going much, but a lot of people have been reading into that. I wouldn't read into that. I mean, there are going to be days the offense wins. There are going to be days the defense wins. Remember, both sides pretty much know what's coming. I mean, they add new wrinkles every now and then, but they've been going up against each other, you know, in the spring now for a few weeks here in, in August, you know, it's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Wouldn't worry about that one. And then on the basketball side of things, kind of the same message. You know, you want to get ex- – obviously, I would never want to say don't get excited. I mean, this is a lot of fun right now. Uh, but uh, if this stuff doesn't translate when they play Michigan State and Gonzaga, don't say, oh, but they were so good in the Bahamas. Like, 
relax. They're playing. They're playing these, you know, random teams who it's a great honor for them to be playing against UK. That's how they're looking at it. Um, it's a really cool experience for everybody. Uh, don't like obviously get excited, but temper expectations because uh, the, the non-conference schedule that Kyle Perry has booked. Uh, if you want to complain about it, this is not uh, the only complaint you could have is not enough of these games are at home. You can't complain that Cal Perry uh, isn't testing his team because outside of, a, I think, two or three gimme games, uh, they could, if things go, if the ball bounces the wrong way, they could lose all these non-conference games. That's how good the slate is. Yeah, that's it. So it is coming. Maybe not as fast as we want, but it'll be here soon because we are pretty much mm-hmm. middle of August now. So, couple weeks from now you'll get some high school games going and then we'll be rolling right on oh, yeah. and we'll have a lot of fun each and every week y'all bringing y'all good stuff and good guests and it's gonna be a fun ride from now until hopefully you know from a basketball standpoint hopefully april that's gonna be <laughs> yeah well, come on to april, yeah we... what, what, get us to houston this year that's the goal <laughs> is to get all the way to houston where the final four is at you don't want to you don't want to be indianapolis and out that, that was uh I had everything booked for Philadelphia. My dad, you know, my dad's in Connecticut, so he was going to meet me there, and mm. we were going to stay together in Philly, and then all gets screwed up. So mm. uh, let's get to Houston this see. That's right. That's right. Well, on that note, let's get this episode wrapped up, and looking forward to bringing y'all more. Appreciate everybody listening. And look, if y'all would, just go and subscribe or leave a comment where you can on whatever platform you listen to. That just shows that you enjoy the podcast and we appreciate y'all supporting it. For man AG, this is Vinny Hardy, and we've enjoyed bringing y'all another episode of Believing in Kentucky. Look forward to doing it again this time next week. We'll see y'all later. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.